1: Hello, welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Oleg Tkach. Oleg, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, absolutely. So why don't you start off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from?
0: Yeah, so I'm a mortgage lender in, uh, in the Seattle, Washington area. And I've uh, been originating mortgages for 17 years now. I um, have a pretty large team. It's me and uh, pretty much 16 other team members. and. Team is broken up into three parts. We call them LP1s, which is your initial, uh, you know, lead intake people that take the initial calls, responses to the emails, get the process started. The second part is the pre-approval side, so we call them pre-approval managers, and pretty much what they do is pre-approve clients all day long. And uh, the third part is just contract to close. We call them LP2s. It's somebody that takes a file once it's officially sold, ready to go. It's a real deal and they take it to the finish line. And uh, basically, that's how we're structured. I'm the only originator on the team. On average, we close about, or the last two years, I should say, we close about 800 plus transactions a year, over 300 million in volume. Most of my business is from referral partnerships that I've established throughout the, you know, years with agents, uh, financial planners, CPAs, just other people in the industry that have a sphere of influence and uh and then past clients as well that's kind of my main lead generation source i should say uh, month in month out so yeah that's pretty pretty much a little bit about me i pretty much eat sleep breathe mortgages that's the best way to put it
1: okay well, great. Yeah. You, you covered a lot there and we'll, we'll dive in deeper on some of those topics, but w- what first got you into real estate and mortgage? It seems like, you know, prior to this podcast, you're mentioning in your mid thirties and you said that you've been a loan officer for 17 years. So that means that like right at 18, if I'm doing my yeah. math right, you were introduced to this and stuck with it. So what was that first story of the experience? Like, oh, I could do this, right? Yeah, like what, what yeah. exposed you to real estate?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I come from a family of like blue collar workers. Right. And at the end of the day, I just picked like early on, I realized I'm good in sales, just naturally good at sales. I never found anything like I used to do door to door sales as a kid, when I used to work for a guy who used to build, you know, sports, uh, you know, different sports uh, figures and all that. And so what I did was, um, when I was 16, I got a job at a GameStop and, um, and it's because no one would hire me in the fast food industry. I don't know why. I tried and no one would hire me. And so I used to put, you know, play a lot of video games as, as a kid growing up, like a lot of us, right? And so there's a GameStop that opened up and I decided, hey, I'm gonna give it a shot. And so I got the interview, I landed the job. a well, little did I know that it was seasonal. And so long story short, I'm standing there, me and two other people, and they're like, Well, so this is uh, you know, for the next two months and only one person is gonna end up uh, keeping a permanent position. Any questions? And I raise my hand and I go, "Yeah, I have a question. Uh, what determines who stays?" And they're like, "Oh, it's simple. It's whoever sells the most magazines, uh, subscriptions, and game reservations. They stay." And um, so it was like, "All right, you know, that's the mission. That's what, what I'm going to go after." And so, a month into my, say, you know, sales associate career at GameStop, uh, the General manager or the regional manager stopped by. He, he takes me in the back room. And he goes, I need to talk to you. And I'm thinking I'm getting let go. And he goes, How are you doing it? And I'm like, Doing what? He's like, Well, right now in the state of Washington, you're of all the game stops, you're 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 number two in game reservations and subscriptions. However, you're a part-time employee and the guy that's ahead of you is working, you know, overtime. He's like, So per hour's work, you're by far beating everybody. And i'm like my instant response was does this mean i get to keep my job and he's like yes you do like and how old are you and i was 16 at the time he's like i want to promote you and that's pretty much how it happened at that point it was like i got this instant like hey I'm, i'm good in sales at the same time too i always wanted to get into banking and so at that point i got into a position at a bank as a courier went into a teller and then I find out there's loan officers at banks that do lending and it's professional and they're meeting with clientele and everything. And it was like, at that point, I was like, that's what I want to do. Mm. And so there was a job ad for junior loan officers in the paper. I called them up and it was pretty much a telemarketer position. And I didn't know it at the time, but um, I went on an interview and uh, sold myself, as you can imagine and got hired on as a telemarketer at like 17 and a half where I was making cold calls for lenders. And I made an agreement that I will only, you know, come on board with them if, as soon as I turn 18, they'll let me be my own LL. And they agreed said, hey, if you're a good dialer, as soon as you turn 18, sure enough, you're, you know, we'll let you be an LL. And that's pretty much how it happened. And uh, yep, that's the story.
1: You must be saying after now being there 17 years, being, you know, number 21 in the nation out of 750,000 LOs, you must be saying, thank God that fast food restaurant didn't hire me.
0: Yeah. And, you know, honestly too. And I always think about the interview that I almost passed up for the telemarketer position, because I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be a telemarketer. Like I'm working at a bank, I'm doing good. I, you know, and this and that, but yeah, I think about that from time to time, like what would my what would my life look like if I didn't get into lending, right? Because as soon as I got in, I mean, I was passionate about it from day one, right? When I find you know, a few years into it, I found out there's a top 200 list in the country and we're ranked like, you know, officially. And I'm like, I got to be on that list. Like, what does it take? Right. Start studying the people on there. What are they doing? You know, and it just it opened up this, it, it, it almost became like a game all of a sudden of how do I get there? And can I get there? And I remember my life mission was like, get there in your 20s. And that's all I wanted to do is be on that list in in my 20s. And so yeah, that was, that was, that's when it was like game on. I love that. Do you still game? You know, my kids game and I, I only with them, but on my own, I don't.
1: Yeah. I used to be obsessed, play video games so till my eyes were literally red blood, like just boom, I look like a freaking alien, my mom said one time. The first time I got like a Nintendo 64 and then like went to PlayStation and Xbox and Xbox 360 and it was just like, by the time that Xbox transitioned to Xbox 360, that was my last system and and uh, I'm grateful for that. Like I, I stopped playing at that time in like middle of high school, but it still it created this mentality like i always did sports as well it's this competitive nature you know when you're doing a, a first person shooter or any type of game where you rack up experience and you level up it really creates that competitive nature and so i, I know what you mean by that like you look at numbers and, and being in the top standings and then okay well what's it going to take to get there what's the formula like what's the cheat code right, <laughs> to, right. to get there exactly. faster better exactly. yeah so I think it unlocks some really interesting neural pathways that you can then uh, apply to other areas of life, which obviously you have. So that's awesome. Uh, you know, you mentioned, oh, go ahead.
0: Real quick. It, it's interesting that you say that because, and the reason why I don't play video games right now, the, the true reason is because life is a game, right? And I feel like if yeah. I'm there playing video games, I mean, if I'm spending time with my kids, it's one thing, but if I'm playing video games, I'm not doing a workout or I'm not reading a book. I'm not advancing myself, right? And you know, when you really do what you love to do and you, you know, build, you know, the, the life you want around you, you I know, mean, life is truly a game. That's really what it comes down to. And so I'd rather play the game of life than a video game. That's, that's really what it is. So it's not because, Hey, I'm just not interested in, I want to watch TV. It's, it's, Hey, I'd, I'd rather play the real life game.
1: Right. And level up in that game.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: So wow. what I was going to transition to was, uh, regarding, you know, your transaction volume, and then a- asking some advice for, a- a- an LO that is doing well, because if you're doing 800 transactions a year, you know, that's obviously top in the nation, but what about the LO that's doing 200 and that they're now thinking, okay, I've established myself at 200 transactions a year. I obviously want to level up. What. Should they focus on or what advice should they ignore in order to get to that next 300 or, or 400 transactions?
0: You know, so I would say is one is you really have to understand the very, very, very simple formula of mortgage. That to me is, you know, and what I live by is the number of leads times your conversion rate equals deals closed. As simple as that. Number of leads, that's your prospecting output everybody does something different and i don't think it necessarily matters you got to do what works for you for you know again whatever you do prospecting wise is what is generating the number of leads. your conversion rate now it has to do with your team and you how good are you once that person comes through the door you know what do your systems look like to get to closing and conversion i mean lead to paycheck right like that's the true conversion that you got to track so if you're in the industry, the average conversion, if somebody truly tracks and you track all your leads, the average conversion is about 15 to 20%. If you're really good at what you do, you're looking at about 25%. If you're like a pro pro and you're 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 operating at the highest level, you're about 30%. That means that one out of every three people you're getting a paycheck on that call you. That's pretty impressive. Um, so the reason why I bring that up is that the more leads you get, the lower your conversion is. The more you're involved in the process, the higher your conversion is, yet the less involved you are in generating leads, which means that your leads will drop off. So you have to build your business around where do you want to put yourself? Do you want to put yourself more on the lead gen side, or do you want to put yourself more into the conversion part of it? And understanding that, you know, there leads go up, conversion goes down. Conversion goes up, leads goes leads go down. And once you understand, then there's a sweet spot where you get to. Like our conversion has been right around between twenty five to thirty percent, depending on the year. Our leads are anywhere between two to three thousand, depending on the year. And so for me, I noticed that I have a lot more fun in the lead gen side than the conversion side. And so it's now. If that's the case, that means that I got to hire the best people around me, right? The best team members I can, the most experienced because I'm not as involved in that side. Therefore, I got to make sure that the people that are are converting at the highest level possible, right? So I would say the advice that I'd give anybody looking at how do you go for 200 to 400 or for 200 to 800 is really understand where you are on a day-to-day basis? Are you on the green time lead gen side or are you in the red conversion side? And depending on where you are, decide what do I want my business to look like? How many leads do I need to get? Where are those leads coming from? So for example, if somebody says, well, I want to close 500 transactions a year and I'm going to be at 25% conversion. I need 2000 leads a year. Where are those leads coming from? Right? And then the question is you know depending on the categories like you know uh past clients past client referrals business partners uh builders real uh, real estate agents uh, financial planners ads that you might be doing online whatever right you gotta ask yourself where are they coming from then the question is you know what is your strategy behind each source, right and it's not gonna happen overnight but pick one or two sources and focus on those for the next six months, next year, and really perfect those, get those established. You really ultimately, if you want to have a very, very solid, predictable business, you want to have four sources of leads coming in. You want to have four and you want to play in my opinion, in the 75% green time, 25% red time is really where, where you want to be. And you want to watch yourself, track yourself, and really pay attention to that because most salespeople, they will, you know, at the end of the day, most salespeople are pretty damn lazy, right? Most people don't want to make the hard calls. Most people kind of want to avoid it. You know, they kind of want to do the bare minimum, just kind of how we're wired, right? So you really want to almost be robotic in your execution and be super tactical and not emotional about it and just execute it one day at a time and and not pay too much attention to the numbers because the problem with salespeople is when the numbers are good, they let the foot up the gas. When the numbers are bad, they panic and they overdo it, right? You don't want to be in one or the other. What you want to be is just const- constantly running the play, constantly running the play.
1: Such good advice. I really appreciate you being generous with your overall description of how someone could level up. And a big focus of that was lead gen. You you mentioned you're more of a lead gen person, and then the other side is conversion. I think we're going to have a very fascinating conversation because, you know, I'm a lead gen guy as well. You know, I have a company that has a system, we call it prospect, nurture, retain. Uh, We want to help, you know, MLOs and real estate brokers to prospect, meaning, Lead generation, let's let's get you more leads, primarily from digital marketing, digital advertising. That's really how we do most of our lead gen. And then what are the best sources to then nurture those, not let that lead slip through the cracks, right? That's not a referral. This, this lead needs to be nurtured and they oh. need to have value built in you and build trust with you before they're really actually going to convert. And what are the best systems out there in order to accomplish that, right? So then there's the nurture phase. But then once you convert them, and you're at that you know, 15, 20% conversion rate, okay, well, how do you now multiply that single deal into two, three, five over the next five or 10 years by building the relationship and retaining that client? And so I'm curious when you're talking about being a lead generation guy and having four sources, mm-hmm. you mentioned a couple in the very beginning of the show saying, you know, you're big on referrals and you have relationships with certain businesses or real estate professionals. But, uh, I'm curious, what's your most profitable lead generation sources other than referrals? And then I I have some follow-up questions on that.
0: Here's my take on it. In the beginning of your career, it's all about lead gen systems, meaning you got to buy leads, you got to invest into mailing to people that don't know you calling on people that don't know you, like you're establishing your name. Ultimately, once you get to a certain point, like you talked about, you get to a point where now it's more of retention. And that person now starts referring you. And then the whole focus has to shift to how do I keep getting referred by the people that I've done business with? Because once you've done enough transactions with enough people, then at that point, you're only adding a few strong new referral partners a year because you're retaining the ones that you already have. So the ones that you're adding are probably the ones replacing the ones that you're losing if you're not in a massive growth mode, like growth mode. zone. so you know to answer your questions like what what were my most you know profitable the ones when i got into the mortgage career um one thing i like to do is really target marketing with mailers that i've done in the past and i would mail to a certain you know demographic that uh had a certain loan and i would just be dialed with what my script was to them on the phone when they called in and all that right in addition to that, I've purchased many leads before in the past through different, you know, online sources. And you know, with online leads, you're right. There is no trust in the beginning. So you have to overdo it, right? It's not a, hey, I was told that I worked with your you know brother or hey, you know, you worked with my brother, and now you know he said you're the man and you said he was, he's gonna take care of you were gonna take care of me. What do I need to do? When it's an online lead, you have to understand like you cannot be emotional about the lead they don't know you. They're not going to prioritize picking up your phone call. They're not going to like, so you just have to constantly be in front of them. The beauty of, of it now today with technology and with the different CRMs out there, you could build out campaigns that could pretty much do everything until a client responds. And then you jump in and, you, and you're then you're at your best, right? Whereas in the past with me, I had to make every call manually. I had to send every text manually. That like, for five years ago, 10 years ago, that really didn't exist. Right. And, the, and so, you know, for me, it was, you know, in the beginning, it was do as many mailers as you can target, buy as many online lead, weeds, pour as much back into your business as you can, you know, working with companies like yours. And then it's how do I, if somebody says no, Or doesn't work with me the question is why and then you change up your script you change up your approach you change up your value proposition and you'll realize that with every different lead source they're going to want to hear different things they want they're going to want they need to be sold differently you can't sell the same if you're selling your online leads the same way as you're selling your you know uh, referrals that are coming in like you know, one is you're gonna you might scare off the hot referrals, two is you might come across too cold to the online leads, right? So I would say definitely you wanna invest into yourself from a standpoint, study the reactions that you're getting and don't be afraid to change things up until you get it dialed. And what I and I'll I'll share a little bit more what I mean by that. I remember my first mayor that I did. I sent that out to like 20,000 people. I closed zero transactions out of it. The second one that I did, I closed zero transactions out of it. And once I cracked the formula of how to close somebody that's calling in that doesn't know you at all, I remember it was like month three, I, I closed like two or three. And then month four, same mailer, same mailer, nothing has changed because the calls were coming in. Month four, it was like 18 transactions. And it was just because I cracked the formula of what it takes to land somebody that's calling you cold. Right. And so that's what I would say is, is you want to continue changing your approach when it comes to, when it comes to different lead gen sources that are coming in for sure.
1: That makes sense. And really phenomenal breakdown of the difference between a hot referral to an online lead. And I explained that to my clients that this, type of lead that my agency helps generate and specializes in, the reason why we came up with the middle portion, the nurture, was based on feedback and me noticing what was happening once we handed off the lead to the client. It it just started out mainly as digital marketing and lead generation, but I then understood from my background in sales, gosh, the fortunes in the follow-up, right? That's the, the age old saying, and everyone also hates doing the (laughs) follow-up. So why don't we build out professionally copywritten emails, SMS text campaigns, Facebook Messenger campaigns? You know, why don't we automate the process after the leads generated, have an inside sales agent call them three times in the first minute, text them, and then have a 28 touch campaign in the first year in order to get them to the point where now they actually are ready to have the phone conversation with the real estate professional. Yep. Now previously in the in the early part of my agency we were handing it off too soon and expecting too much of the the agent who didn't have the skills or the training at that time to convert this type of lead. They were used to when a lead comes in, they, oh, hey, my brother did a transaction with you, you're the man. Okay, awesome, let's go yep. see houses or or you know, what's your property? Let's go list it or, you know, okay, let's go do a loan, right? It's, there's immediate trust there. So I began to obsess over and, sp- and specialize in how do we automate systems that not only build trust for one client, but then be able to quickly onboard other clients in other markets that want to do the same thing and have it be successful in other markets too. And so that's been my you know big obsession over the last four or five years. And you know we, we do well at it now. And at the end, I like how you talked about this secret sauce, this formula that you discovered through two mail campaigns where you were having tons of conversations and not converting. And then all of a sudden the same, you know, same input of the mail campaign generating the same amount of calls. And then all of a sudden you went from two transactions the third month to 18 the fourth month. So I don't want to forget about that. Let's, let's dive into a little bit of that secret sauce on, on this type of lead that calls in. and They don't know you, you don't know them. Like, how are you fielding that call? What, what in your opinion is that, that secret sauce, if you're willing to share it?
0: Well, so you got to understand what are you trying to sell, right? Like at that point I was trying to sell a refi and trying to lower their monthly payment. And so for me, what I recognized is that the script that I used when they would call me to ask me, what is this? It changed from more of a Q and A to, I was giving them information and programming them along the way, programming them that, you know, here's what it takes to qualify this, 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 this. Here's what the next steps are. Here's how we can lock you in, how we could lock you in. the um, same time too, you obviously have to create urgency when it's an online lead. You can't say, well, think about it and call me back, right? Mm. It's a, hey, listen, this is only going to take, you know, 10 minutes to get locked in right now. Um, I can run your credit over the phone right now. Let's get it done right now. And then it's, it just keeps moving to the next step, you, you know, and it, you know, it's stuff like, Hey, do you want me to see if you qualify for this? Do you want to see if your credit score is high enough? Not, Hey, are you committed to doing this today? But Hey, let's see if your credit score is high enough. Okay, sure. We ran it. Hey, let's see if your income works. Okay, cool. All right. Hey, do you want me to walk in and send you disclosures? Right. And that's what it became where I realized that, that if you try to get them on the phone a second time in that particular campaign, it was, you don't get off the phone. And, and if you get off the phone and say, no, Otherwise, you pretty much want to pull credit, take a full app, lock all on the phone with a needs list to their email. And then at that point, it's like, hey, I just want to let you know, we're pretty much halfway to the finish line. You know, one thing you'll realize is that most people and just most people are lazy. They don't want to start over something they already started. So the key is if you feel, right, you feel as a client that you started something, most people are not going to restart somewhere else okay so the goal is make sure they feel that they started the process that phone call i remember there's a study done by zillow and uh it was like you know why did you work with who you worked with as a lender or agent and there was like 20 different categories like one was you know their knowledge two was their reviews you know three was years of of experience four was and it just kept going and, and one of them was response time and it was like over 80 percent of the people started working with whoever they worked with was because they picked up the phone they responded quicker and i remember for me i, I remember sitting there and thinking like, like it doesn't matter how how many loans i do how great i am in the industry it's not about me and a lot of people sell themselves right it's about the client like it's it, we, i shouldn't be talking about me i should be talking about them their needs all that so I remember the key was make sure you pick up every single phone call. Don't get off that phone call until they're committed, right? And you know, then at that point, it's how fast can you get to the point where they feel that they're almost there? So don't wait a couple of days to send disclosures, send them that night. And so once I got that down, that's when it became, I'm not just doing Q and A calls, which I was doing a lot of Q&A calls and then go back to their lender and, you know, and they would already have all the information and they'll say, hey, here's what I want to do because they trust that person. It was a along the Q&A on the way, we also scrubbed you, we pulled credit, we set everything up, we talked numbers, we went into details, we locked, we sent stuff out. And that was the game changer. So depending on what you're selling and what you want to accomplish, I would say the biggest thing is If you're a real estate agent and you're talking to an online lead, you know, for you, it might be setting an in-person appointment. Like don't get off the phone until you set an in-person appointment or, you know, depending again, what you're selling. If you're an insurance agent, it might be, Hey, I need them to send me this and this and this information, or I need to get this certain information to where I have enough to generate a legitimate quote for them that then I could follow up on and use, you know, you use as an anchor. Or a hook when I call and say, hey, we could send you, we could save you, you know, $3,800 a year or whatever, right? As a lender, it was, you know, big on credit check. If they are giving you, if they trust you enough to pull your credit. And I remember this when I was a dialer, we would only get paid when we would get a social security number. And going back to this, you know, since you're talking about the process and we're really getting, we're diving deeper into that, I remember that on the application, the social security number is on the top. And I remember that I took mine and I whited them out and I put the social security on the bottom. Because if you start with, oh, hey, by the way, Jeff, what's your social? And we haven't even talked about your income. Right? Then people right away, are, oh, whoa, 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 slow down. Like that's, I'm not ready for that yet. You know what? Right. Look, give me some more information, right? So what I did differently, even when I was a dialer, I would start with all about you and tell me more about you. Tell me about your house. Tell me about, you know, your job. Oh, that's, you know, and then you're building a And then at the end, once, you know, you built enough reports, It's like, oh yeah. By the way, what's your social? And usually people just gave it. Or if the ones that didn't, they're like, well, why do you need it? Oh, we just need to run your credit to make sure you're solid. Just to finish up the application, we just did.
1: Yeah, oh, and you've already been on the phone for twenty minutes already, or whatever. You've it's already,
0: like. you know, you've already built some trust up, right? Yeah. Versus you start with the social, and everybody gets defensive, right? So it's things like that, and a lot of people don't realize the importance in flow in how the conversation goes, and too many people jump in. To, you know, too early to the close. Now, if you see the buying signals, like they're like, all right, well, what do you need to get started? Like, what do you need my social? Well, of course go straight for the social, but if the buying signals are not there. Like don't go in for it. You're know, going into too early. So I think that has a lot to do with it when it comes to, you know, online leads, you know, we did Facebook, a lot of Facebook marketing for for a long period of time. I did it with a ton of different agents. We, we, we usually promote a certain product and it was the same thing. It was the whole call was about the product, and do they? let's t- tell us more about you to see if you qualify. tell us more about your income. So again, by the end of the call, they've already given you so much information. The key is the feeling is that they started, not that they're just information gathering, right? You know, one thing that you had said, you know, the, the you know the money's in the follow-up, right? Or something that regards the fortunes in the follow-up, yeah. Fortunes in the follow-up. You know, the one thing when it comes to prospecting that a lot of people miss is that anytime it's with a cold lead, right? And I think anybody that, unless they call you and say, hey, I heard great things about you, what do I need to get do, do to get started? You worked with a, you know somebody that I know, it's a cold lead. With any cold lead, you gotta remember that as you're following up, in, in the beginning, they don't really know you, meaning that they're not gonna give you the time of day just because they they they, they haven't established any sort of uh hey i know you i i respect you to some way so i'm going to give you common courtesy right so you don't expect common courtesy in the beginning then as you continue to follow up they're annoyed by you because they're like wow this person just doesn't quit like i got stuff to do i'm i'm not you know ready right now whatever they're annoyed right and then after some time that annoyance changes to respect. They start respecting you and they're like, oh, this person's really persistent. They really actually care. They really, and then after some time, they feel like they know you. And now you're at the stage. And I think that's what your company does very well when they nurture is they go through that stages where then when they hand off that lead, they feel the lead on the other end, that they already know you, that there's already a relationship there. There's already a trust level because you've cast that vote of, you know, I want your business, we're here, you know, we care. And you've cast that vote for yourself constantly with the leads as you're calling them. And so too many people in our industry, it's like one call, Oh, the client never picked up. I, I left them a voicemail. They never call me back. I'm done. And that leads garbage like that person's <laughs> closing with somebody right and the people that have figured out the unemotional side of you know hey this is just part of the process and you might be in that annoying stage right now and i know that doesn't sound attractive right but in reality it's what works and like you
1: can't you're not going to change
0: the game you just got to play it for what it's worth and and and, and for for the way it is
1: so. Man, I love that. Yeah, well put, and uh, I'm glad that, you know, when I mentioned the fortunes and the follow-up, that kind of sparked that that concept for you, explained it very well, and I agree 100%. So that's why we took it in-house, because it's such a critical aspect of the conversion process for online leads, and when we did, the results increased for our clients tremendously. So uh, then my clients stay longer, and it just it makes more sense, right, all around. So I'm, yep. I'm curious now to talk about referrals and sphere of influence. So what systems do you have in place to increase the amount of referrals you're getting? And at some point in, in the earlier part of the conversation you mentioned once you get to a certain level it's really about retaining the referral partners and the strategic partnerships that you have and then maybe adding one or two key ones a year but really at that point you're kind of like retaining preserving because you have such good systems and such good momentum so i'm really curious about your systems to generate more referrals um, not only from strategic partnerships which that's a whole you know different thread but from clients? Like when, when a client closes, like, then are they invited to re- invite, you know, do a review? Are you doing appreciation parties? Are you asking for referrals explicitly? Like what, what systems do you have in place to turn one transaction into five over the next 10 years? Yeah, that's
0: a great question. So, you know, it all starts with you, your client has to have had a phenomenal, you know, time working with you, right? Like that's key. That's and, key. You yeah. know, people talk about, you know, the book rating fans and that book really goes deep into like, you know, the difference, right? And I don't think anybody, when you look at that book, I don't know if there's a way to create what they really talk about because it's so over the top. But the point is, is whatever industry you're in, your clients have to have had a phenomenal experience working with you, or at least 98% of them have to have had a, a great experience. If that's the case, then you've earned the right to ask for a referral, right? At that point, then it, it's up on you on staying really top of mind. So what we do is, uh, you know, uh, there's two parts to it. Um, one is we mail to everybody once. Let's just say this is what we do. Once a, a, a month one, we'll mail. Month two, we do a video. Month three, we mail. Month four, we just go back and forth between video and mail. We don't want to overdo it. We don't want to send them a, a weekly video. But we want to just be in front of them. And the reason why is because if they had a good experience, most people just forget who they worked with. No matter yeah. what, no matter what you did for them, it's just life happens. Everybody's a narcissist these days, you know, whether it's, you know, it just depends on what level. The point is, we have, we have our own stuff to carry, you know, to, to do then to remember who helped us. And some will, but most won't. And I think there was a study done a while ago that, you know, the average person within two years, it's, it's like 84% of people don't even remember the name of the realtor, right? It's the same thing as like the person you bought a car with. Like, do you really remember their name? You just don't. You forget. But the ones that stay in touch with you, you do. So the key is for me is just keep myself in front of them. All I want them to do is see a mayor, or in by a mail. I want them to see it, touch it, and say, oh, like mortgage, toss, right? Because they really, they're not in the market for the mortgage. So, but when they are, then it's like somebody says mortgage and they think, oh, like, why? Because I've been in front of them with a video or a mailer. And I know a lot of people don't believe in mailers these days. And it's fine. I think that mailers personally, um, when it comes to your own database, I think they're huge uh, because it just keeps you in front of them. And people have to throw it away. Right. right. Um, and I'm not expecting to read it, but... You know some dude there's always a response rate on them and if they know you you're gonna you're definitely gonna have an roi and you're you know whatever you spent on the mailer so one is that two is we have a crm big purple dot and we've built it out for my team and we utilize uh, we have different campaigns that are text campaigns they do text and voicemail and pretty much the messaging like for example on their anniversary it's me voicemail hey Oleg here, just wanted to let you know, it's been one year since we closed. I know time goes by quick. Listen, just want to congratulate you. If there is anything that at all that me or the team could do for you or anybody that you know, mortgage-related, reach out to us. Otherwise, look, I know you're busy. You don't have to call me back. Just want to say happy anniversary. And uh, we're here. We want to be your lender for life. If you ever are thinking about an investment property, buying in a different state, you know, buying a second home duplex you let us know we're here for you if you want to cash out of your home and again programming 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 why would they reach out to you and that's it so then these are just hitting them randomly and some people will call back and we'll chat other people will get the message again i'm telling them you don't have to call me back because i don't want everybody to call me back and i only want them to call me back when they need to and i think that's another part to it is in addition to that marketing, you got to stay in front of them. So we do text campaigns, you know, randomly and strategically after closing and lots of videos, lots of, uh, mayors. And, uh, we don't do any client appreciation events, no parties, no, any of that. I'm not trying to be friends with my clients. I just want to be their mortgage guy. That's it. Just want to be their mortgage guy. And what we've recognized is that from that I've done about my career, probably probably about 6,000 loans, maybe 7,000 loans. And um, we, we market to everybody. And we typically, I'd probably say from our 800 transactions that we do a year, 400 of them are from past clients or past client referrals.
1: Awesome. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I like your focus on making the clear decision. I just wanna be their mortgage guy, right? Like I, I don't need to be their friend throw these parties. I know that that's, works really well for a lot of real estate brokers and mortgage loan officers. And they seem to have big personalities to match, right? That just like makes sense for them. But I like how you are clear about what makes sense for you and what works for you. And, uh, you know, really doubling down and duplicating that. So you know, now what I would love to learn is the single most important habit or action that you take on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success. You know, this is more like an entrepreneur habit question. Do you have any type of routine or ritual that like really, I mean, since you've been 18 and and you you began this career in business, it's just really served you well. Does does anything come to mind when I ask that question?
0: Yeah. It's uh, constantly feeding your mind with with business, personal development, books, podcasts, you know, at the end of the day, whether you're an athlete, whether you're in mortgage, real estate, you're in sales, like performance is everything. And your mindset drives the performance, how you feel about yourself on the inside, a lot of times it will show on the outside, how when you realize like, hey, we're all battling different things. Uh, You know, with the salesperson, compared to an athlete, they're taking shots, right? If you want to score, you got to shoot baskets or you want to, um, for salespeople, it's making calls, right? If you want to score points, meaning close transactions, you got to make calls. And so, you know, for me, it's been a big part. I would say the ritual is really being coached in some capacity, you know, whether it's actually being coached by somebody or, you know, being coached by the people that you're Listening to, like, if people are listening on this podcast, to this podcast, you know, some of them are going to take a lot of that away and actually implement. Some people will hear it and, you know, and nothing. Other people will, this will be the breakthrough for their next step because of some sort of a mental block that they've had. And I feel like that for me, the constant pursuit of my next stage has definitely been. Uh, you know, what has continued to allow me to grow year over year year over year.
1: Yeah. I I appreciate you sharing that. That's something that has been the same for me. I was just listening to Jim Rohn's, you know, ultimate library or or whatever it is, this audio book that I, I purchased, which was actually recommended from a guest of this podcast. And that, you know, it's just another input and theme over the last 12 plus years since being at Cutco and buying into the fact that if I feed my mind then my impact and my income are limitless like I can I can continue to grow 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 and and there's the saying once a mind once expanded cannot contract back to its you know original size and I believe that once you you get this input or this this new idea you know you, you continue to grow and and expand all of a sudden, the things that used to be overwhelming are no longer a problem. And you have clarity, you have insight, you have a different perspective. I mean, the the benefits are incredible. And Jim Rome was just talking about it. I was just having a late lunch listening to it before this podcast. He said, uh, you know, I, I admire the 44 years that one of my dear friends put in from buying into the fact that you can personally develop yourself at 22 and then the, the guy Passed away at 66, but built all these different companies and made all this impact and gave all this money back to charity. And you know he transformed his life. And that's kind of the same as Jim Rohn's story. Like at 25, he met Mr. Schoefer, who then influenced him to start doing personal development. And within six years, from 25 to 31, Jim Rohn became a millionaire. And so it's uh, it's one of those things where it takes a little bit of a constant foot on the gas mentality, which you know, some are like, oh, I want to relax or do this or just watch TV and shut it off. But I really find that using um, Tony Robbins is another guy I look up to. Tony Robbins' concept of net time, no extra time. It's like when you're doing other things, when you're doing, uh, you know, your morning routine, you're making coffee, you're, you're cleaning up your dish after lunch or whatever, just instead of silence and instead of, you know, the, you know, the radio, put on a little personal development put on a little audio, put on just a little something to just get the, get the gears turning, stay sharp, stay focused, and maybe learn something new or hear it a different way. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. It's It's been a critical aspect of my success as well.
0: Yep, I totally agree with that, man. I really do.
1: Awesome. So is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier?
0: Yeah. You know, one thing I, I would probably say too is, you know, I'd want to touch a little bit on coaching. I think that at a very young age, I got, I always felt like you want somebody in your corner that's done what you want to do, guiding you. And it doesn't have to be a professional company. It doesn't have to be anything like that. But, you know, sometimes it's just somebody that is in your industry that's better than you. And you saying, hey, you know, I want to get to this level. You've done it. You know, how do we know what do we need to do to make that happen? Like, how can I, you know, be mentored by you? and you don't you know whoever your mentor is it doesn't mean they have to be the your your mentor for the rest of their life right but there could be a season where you're just really focused on you know certain growth whether it's building a team or generating leads or you know just really sharpening your sales skills right and i feel like that's when you know it's okay to ask for help and i think the people that are strong ask for help i think there's nothing that will slow you down like ego and I think that, um, like if you suck at something, know that everything is a learned skill. If you're not good at scripting and, and, and phone calls, you know, there's thousands of books on scripting and phone calls. Like, you know, you might have to take a year where you're going through a, you know, a book a week, but if, if you do that and you realize again, just like a video game, you could sharpen your skills by, you know leveling up. It's the same thing with your sales skills, same thing with your team building skills, with your leadership skills, like whatever it is, like take that and like, make that be what, you know, make that be your masterpiece for nine months or a year, for a year and a half, where you're like, you know, I'm going to learn how to be A better salesperson, how to ask better questions, how to go deeper into conversations, because that's where I'm struggling. Like, if you notice, like, hey, you get on the phone and it gets awkward and weird because you don't know how to ask the right questions, like, work on that. Like, it's a clear hole in your business. And I think the more honest you are with yourself with what the holes are, the easier it is to fill them and fix them. And, you know, I mean, it's crazy to think I've been in the business for, you know, 17 years, got in when I was 18 years old. And I remember my first date, like, like it just flew by. And I know a lot of old people say that like time flies and stuff, but I mean, if you're going to be in the, in the industry for a long time, like start now, start today, sharpen your skills, be a better version of you. Don't think about the money. Like people get caught up with the money. Don't think about that. Think about being better, beating yourself today, being 1% better than you were yesterday. And it that's that, you know, that journey that a lot of people will tell you, you know, once you hit that destination and you accomplished everything you want to accomplish, you're gonna look back and you're gonna say, you know, the struggle was was the beauty of it. That was the fun part, like the personal growth, you know, that I had and everything. And that's what I would challenge anybody watching this is like focus on the personal growth. Don't compare yourself to other people, be inspired by other people,
1: but don't compare yourself to other people and mm-hmm. know your holes and attack those man great advice Really love that appreciate you sharing yep. so how can listeners contact you
0: well if anybody needs a mortgage just listening to this we are licensed in 20 states now you know oligdkatch.com is, is my website just o-l-e-g-t-k-a-c-h.com myself is kind of our team line my office line um i have a couple people monitoring it um it's four two five four seven eight seven six seven six i i am part of a coaching company n- known as the core training We coach some of the top real estate agents and mortgage professionals in the country. It's very exclusive. It's sold out. We're not looking for new clients. That's not, you know, I'm not trying to advertise for that or anything like that. But if somebody wants to look into the core and the systems and everything, there is content out there. So yeah, that's probably the best answer to that.
1: Awesome. Well, I appreciate having you on. Oleg Takach, everyone. He is doing some big things up in Washington. And like you said, 20 other states that, that uh, you know, you and your team are licensed. And really appreciate you sharing not only your entrepreneurial secrets, but some of the nuts and bolts of lead conversion when it comes to the on-on leads that don't trust you. I mean, we covered so much. This is definitely worth a re-listen for any of you listening to this for the first time because, you know, Oleg and I have been doing certain concepts that we explained for years. And if this is the first time listening or you you had some insight, I highly recommend re-listening. It's just like rereading a book or re-listening to a a podcast. You know, it uh, really helps you to understand and hear it a different way the next time. So really appreciate having you on, Oleg. Thank you. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it